Welcome to the Football Pink podcast, hosted by Roddy Cairns. The Football Pink is a website, magazine and documentary podcast series bringing you long-form stories and nostalgia from across the world of football. Season 1992-93 was a memorable European campaign for a few reasons. It was the season where Juventus defeated Dortmund by a record score in the final of the UEFA Cup. It was the season that saw the European Cup rebranded as the Champions League, a move that signalled the beginning of the hyper-commercialisation of top-level football. It was the season that Germany welcomed the cream of European football to the final in Munich, just a few years after the fall of the Berlin Wall and reunification of the country. But each of those interesting trinkets pales into insignificance when compared with the sheer, unadulterated drama which circulated around the eventual winners of old big years and cast a dark shadow over club football's most glittering prize. Because 1992-93 was the season when Olympique de Marseille captured the continent's hearts and then lost them again. With this, Marseille re-established themselves as France's standard bearers and set the tone for the success that was to follow in this era. After their fairy tale route to the final, things began to get ugly. Back in 1992, Marseille occupied a position in French football that was not dissimilar to that of Paris Saint-Germain in the modern day. Since Bernard Tapie, a millionaire businessman who had built his fortune recovering bankrupted companies, had assumed the club's presidency in 1986, OM had ascended to the very pinnacle of French football. Tapie didn't take long to make his mark. Marseille had not won a French top-flight title since 1972 and had only won four in their history, but within a few years of Tapie's arrival, there was something to celebrate at the Velodrome. Football Pink contributor Fintan O'Reilly looks back on the glorious first trophy of the Tapie era. An era that was ushered in under Tapie's leadership saw Marseille take home their first French top-flight title since 1972 in the 1988-89 season. Under head coach Gérard Guidi, Marseille managed to win 20 of their 38 league games that season, losing on just five occasions and finishing the campaign three points clear of second-place Paris Saint-Germain. With this, Marseille re-established themselves as France's standard bearers and set the tone for the success that was to follow in this era. It's hardly surprising that Marseille had renewed success in the Tapie era, mind you, given the cast list he assembled around him. The players that graced the Stade Velodrome in that era almost reads like a who's who of football from the late 80s and early 90s, as Football Pink editor Jack Wills recalls. Marseille in the early 90s, if you look at their squad, Jean Perrier, Papin, Didier Deschamps, Eric Cantona, Chris Waddle, Rudy Valler, these are high-profile players that the French team had, had attracted. Realistically, They had enough players that they should have gone deep in the Champions League. Marseille at the time were on a par with PSG now. Perhaps not quite the multi-billion oil money that PSG have, but at the time they were head and shoulders above the rest of the league and their financial weight compared to the rest of the league was unparalleled. This period was arguably the most successful in the history of the Provencal side, who followed up their win in 89 with an impressive period of domestic dominance. Further title wins followed in 1990, 91 and 92, 
as OM not only doubled their own tally of titles from the pre-Tappy era, but also matched St Etienne's long-standing record of four title wins in a row. Life was sweet on the Mediterranean coast, with this sun-drenched city hosting a president who had made their dreams come true. If familiarity with domestic success was at risk of breeding contempt, or at least a sense of ennui, there was one horizon that remained fresh and shiny to the south coast side, European competition. No French side had ever won any of Europe's major club honours, let alone the European Cup. But Marseille wasn't just any old French side. They were a team of superstars who were sweeping aside all before them on the domestic front, and Europe seemed the most natural place to test their ever-sharpening teeth. Season 1990-91 saw Belgian manager Raymond Guthal lead Marseille into a European campaign that threatened to deliver France a first-ever European trophy. Guthal was nicknamed Le Sorcier, the Wizard, and there was certainly something magical about the way his Marseille team cut a swathe through all comers on their way to the continental showpiece. Their opponents for the final, which took place in the Stadio San Nicola in Bari, Italy, would be Red Star Belgrade who represented a Yugoslavia that was on a path to war and dissolution. In their first ever European Cup final, Marseille might have fancied their chances against a side who, like themselves, didn't have their name written anywhere in the winner's section of the competition's record books. Similar to Marseille, Red Star enjoyed a dominant path to the final, winning most of their games comfortably up until the semi-final, when they faced Bayern Munich in a tough test that saw them sneak through in the end thanks to a 19th-minute Klaus Augenthaler own goal that gave Red Star a 4-3 win. While both teams demonstrated plenty of ability to score goals on their way to the final in Barry's Stadio San Nicola, the game itself was a milder affair. With the prospect of a first European Cup win looming over both clubs, neither team seemed particularly interested in playing the part of the aggressor in this final, though Marseille did end up enjoying the lion's share of the shot attempts, taking 10 to Red Star's 3. However, clear-cut chances were ultimately few and far between in this showcase of European football's finest, and after 120 minutes, Penalty shootout arrived at long last as a means of separating these two. Fullback Manuel Amoros took Marseille's first penalty of this shootout, and it was saved by Red Star stopper Stevan Stojanovic. This would be the only penalty not to find the back of the net in this shootout, and as a result, Les Olympiens came up short, and Red Star were crowned champions of Europe. Two years later, Marseille were intent on making another stab at European success. With the competition having been rebranded to much fanfare as the Champions League, a new era dawned. However, in a time when the sharp end of European football was less concentrated on the so-called Big Five leagues, Marseille's European opponents were slightly less monstrous than you might expect. The first round proper, essentially a round of 32, saw a huge number of champions of smaller nations competing with Marseille drawn against Northern Irish side Glentoran. The game was a mismatch, the French team taking an 8-0 aggregate victory. The last 16 saw Marseille take on Romanian champions Dinamo Bucharest in what was a much tighter match-up, 
Emerging victorious after a 0-0 draw in Bucharest and a 2-0 win at the Velodrome, in which Alan Boxic grabbed both goals. In those days, in what was a bit of a role reversal to the present day, reaching the last eight of the competition meant that you were placed into a group of four sides, with the winners of each group advancing to the final. Marseille found themselves in Group A, where their main threat came from a Glasgow Rangers side that was in the midst of its nine-in-a-row pomp, and had just defeated English champions Leeds United 4-2 on aggregate in a famous tie. The Scottish side would be no pushovers. The other two teams in the group were Belgium's Club Brugge and Russia's CSKA Moscow, meaning Olympique had their work cut out if they wished to emulate their appearance in the final in 1991. The group stage started slowly for Marseille. A 2 all draw away at Ibrox was followed by a 3-0 victory at home to Club Bruges. Their next tie, away in Russia to CSKA Moscow, was another draw. Not the ideal start for the French said. They recovered well though, thrashing CSKA Moscow 6-0 at home at the Velodrome. A one all draw against Rangers of Glasgow was the next result on match day 5, before a final day 1-0 victory over Club Bruges ensured that they topped the group. For one club, things could have been very different. While Marseille topped the group, Glasgow Rangers were agonisingly close to topping them. While Marseille won with 9 points, Rangers finished with 8, both teams drawing on each occasion they played each other. Marseille took a 2-0 lead at Ibrox in the opening day, but Rangers fought bravely and in the second half, goals from Gary McSwigan and Mark Haitley rescued a deserved point for Rangers. The Jers' fighting spirit continued throughout the competition, picking up results where they could. In April 1993, on match day 5 of the Champions League, Marseille were at home. An early goal from Frank Swayze, who would go on to face Rangers many times in his career for Hibernian, opened scoring for Marseille. A second half strike from Ian Durant rescued a draw for Rangers, who can count themselves extremely unlucky not to have won out that day. Had they have secured the victory, it may very well have been Rangers that ended up playing AC Milan in the final. This entire scandal would have been a non-issue, and who knows, perhaps Rangers could have won the Champions League. Unfortunately, it was not to be. On the final day, Rangers knew that if they won, they would give themselves a chance. They knocked on the door, they kept on knocking for 90 minutes, but they just could not get past CSKA Moscow. The game finished 0-0, and Marseille qualified for the Champions League final. Marseille were through to the final at the Olympia Stadion in Munich, where they would face AC Milan. If the French side had fancied themselves in their first final against Red Star, a team from the comparably poorer Yugoslav League, who, like them, had never previously won the competition, in 1993 they would face absolute footballing royalty. Maldini, Baresi, Reichard, Van Basten all led the charge for a club that already had four European Cups to its name. Managed by Fabio Capello, Milan were one of the few sides who could claim to have as many stars in their team as Marseille boasted in theirs, although Marseille had gotten the better of the Rossoneri in the quarter-finals two years previously. This matchup was undoubtedly a fitting one to usher in the era of the Champions League. You don't tend to win the Champions League without beating the best teams in Europe, and Marseille knew they would have to play the game of their lives if they wanted to avoid a repeat of their heartache from 1991. A lot changed in Marseille's squad from 1991 to 1993. Only three of the men that started for Marseille in the 1991 final remained in the starting eleven for the final of the 1993 competition. They were Abedi Pelé, Eric Domeco and Basile Bolli. The French side were very much on the back foot throughout the early stages of this match, struggling to keep the Italian titans at bay, with Fabian Barthez getting called into action on a number of occasions throughout the first half. On the brink of half-time and against the run of play, 
Two of those Marseille players who tasted defeat in 1991, Pelé and Bolly, combined to force the breakthrough in this game. Pelé's corner kick met the head of Bolly, and he directed the header straight into the bottom left corner of the net. The second 45 minutes saw Marseille playing deep in their own half, protecting their goal mouth and hurling bodies in front of every ball to ensure they kept Milan goalless, and that 43rd minute goal from the unlikely source of central defender Bassi Bolly was enough to make history as they came away with a 1-0 win. Marseille had done it. They had dimmed the galaxy of stars in red and black and become the first French team to ever lift the European Cup. The image of Captain Didier Deschamps lifting the trophy aloft by its huge jug-like handles was instantly iconic. A triumph both for Olympique and for French football. The Champions League victory is arguably the finest moment in the history of Olympique de Marseille, and indeed in the history of French club football. However, back home in France, a storm was brewing domestically that would ultimately place an almighty asterisk against the achievements of OM that season. In conjunction with their European campaign, Marseille were on course to win the French league title for a record-breaking fifth consecutive season, which would put them out on their own in the history books. This meant that games such as the one against relegation battlers Valenciennes four days prior to the Champions League final could not be taken lightly, with Paris Saint-Germain and AS Monaco waiting in the wings to capitalise on any slip-ups. Ever the problem solver, Tapie came up with a cunning but thoroughly despicable plan to help clear this sporting inconvenience, and it involved using his vast cash reserves. In an attempt to conserve his players' energy and fitness levels ahead of the upcoming Champions League final, all the while keeping his side in a strong position in their domestic competition. Tapie enlisted the help of one of his club's players, Jean-Jacques Aydeli, who was asked to contact Valenciennes players who he knew from his time playing alongside them at Nantes to organise a bribe to throw the match. His former teammates, Jorge Borrachaga and Christophe Robert, were contacted, as was their fellow Valenciennes player, Jacques Glassman. In his book, Je ne joue plus, Aydeli quotes Tapie as saying, We don't want them acting like idiots and injuring us before the final with Milan. Aydeli's two ex-teammates are said to have accepted Tapie's cash bribe. One of them, Borussaga, is said to have had a change of heart and didn't follow through with taking part in the stunt. However, Borussaga's change of heart didn't stop the plan from going ahead, and Valenciennes captain Robert is said to have convinced his teammates to throw the game and allow Marseille to have an easy run of it to secure a 1-0 win in the league, thus protecting them in the lead-up to their Champions League final clash. Tapie must have thought he had gotten away with it as his plot reaped short-term rewards aplenty. The Champions League trophy was brought home to the Velodrome, and the side ultimately finished four points ahead of both Monaco and PSG to claim that record-breaking fifth straight title. Meanwhile, Valenciennes players received perhaps some karma for their part in the scandal when they were relegated at the end of the season. But the truth has a way of struggling to the surface, no matter how deeply it is buried, and so it proved here. One of the players who had been approached was Jacques Glassman, who refused to accept the bribe, and even went one further by informing both his coach, Boro Primerac, and the referee of the game, Jean-Marie Veniel, about the approach from Adeli. Glassman's honesty and bravery resulted in the police quickly becoming aware of what Tapie was trying to do, which resulted in Robert's payment being discovered by the authorities. Under the heat of the legal investigation, Robert quickly cracked and fessed up to what he had agreed to be part of taking the scandal of the century into the public domain. The consequences for those involved were suitably stark. Robert, for accepting the bribe and following through with the plan, was suspended by the French Football Federation for two years, 
in addition to a six-month suspended prison sentence for his participation in the act. Ada Lee, the catalyst of the plan, was suspended for one year by FIFA, in addition to a one-year suspended prison sentence for his role. Tapi, the creator of this plot and instigator of the act, was forced to leave his role as president of Marseille and was handed a two-year prison sentence, of which he served six months. His entire reign at Marseille, which had brought so much joy and success to the Stade Velodrome, was forever tainted and tarnished by what happened in that Valenciennes match. And what of the footballing legacy of that 1992-93 season, where Marseille made history both at home and abroad and staked a claim to the title of the best ever French club side? Well, they had their French First Division Championship win struck from the record books, a blank spot marking where their name would have sat next to the 1992-93 championship and serving as a permanent reminder of what had occurred. Their Champions League crown was not rescinded, but the undeniable proof of domestic wrongdoing and the possibility of further corruption means that the crowning glory of Les Olympiennes will forever be considered to have an asterisk beside it by some, not least the fans of Rangers and AC Milan who were deposed en route to that famous win in Munich. However, there was one bit of good news to come out of the whole sorry affair. Jacques Glassman, the brave whistleblower who shone a torch on Tapie's corruption at great personal risk, was presented with FIFA's Fair Play Award in 1995 for ensuring that this plot and all active participants in it were met with justice. It was a sordid end to a magnificent period for fans of Marseille, robbed of their happiest moment by a clandestine act they had no part in, and having to come to terms with the corruption of their erstwhile hero Tapie, to the likes of Desailly, Bolly, Sauzé and Deschamps, the squad of legends who achieved so much on the park. The contorted way in which the outside world views their victory must be beyond galling. Tapie gave them all so much, and Tapie took it all away again. You have been listening to the Football Pink podcast. For more stories like this one, please subscribe to the podcast and visit footballpink.net.